Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. It worries me that your great-grandfather would speak of it so callously. It, I would like to talk with him. Where might I find him? Um, the morgue? Here, here it is. Look at it. Can you tell us what this means? I am going to take the train back to Boston, and then I will come back tomorrow with my gun, and I will go to the house and meet you there. Well, I guess one gun isn't going to be enough for all of us, so we can go in the morning. Reading that, I think, would feel unsettling. At this point, he wouldn't be able to stop. The thing formed in the center of the pentagram, shapeless and nearly invisible. Its terrible voice should have given us a clue, but we were so foolish. Words cannot adequately describe the faceless thing with a thousand maws. Myrtle, Myrtle, is this, is this what happened to you? Like, you're the one who sent me on this journey. What is going on? What is going on? It took hold of poor Robert and twisted his head around as though he was a doll. I'm worried that Evan and Margaret will never actually get this information. They may get it. I don't know if they'll believe it. Evan, to this point, has not been drinking because he knows it's going to be a long day tomorrow, but that might have just changed. <laughs> March March 30th, ceremony. March 31st, Robert dead. Harold Madness <laughs> won't speak of it. I mean, that was most of it, right? <laughs> New Orleans, August 17th, 1857. Marion Allen had come to New Orleans searching for a solution to a problem, but he had only found more problems. Ever since the night that he and those students from Miskatonic had summoned the gin at the farmhouse on Boone Road, he had been overwhelmed with guilt. He knew it was his fault. It had been his idea, and he had been sure the gin would be friendly, or at least could be controlled. He had, of course, been very wrong. So he had come to New Orleans, believing it to be a hotbed of occult activity, a place where he could find the answers that had evaded him in the Northeast. About that, he had been correct. There was more occult activity here than he had ever expected. But he had also come across something far more sinister, something he could only describe as... evil. Marion had spoken with many people in his time in New Orleans, and his occult connections up north had opened doors that might have kept others out. In all his research, he had certainly found something though nothing connected to the gin in the farmhouse. Marion had discovered the existence of a group of some sort, a gang perhaps, or even a cabal if he was feeling dramatic, who controlled the cemeteries of New Orleans. Marion had yet to discover the purpose of this control, but someone was keeping tabs on and perhaps making decisions about who was buried in the cemeteries. But why? He didn't know, but he did know they were onto him. Over the last few days, Marion had become aware that he was being followed, and he was sure this cabal was behind it. He had told the authorities that he believed he was being followed because of an Egyptian artifact he no longer possessed, but he knew deep down that he had simply uncovered too much. But Marion had lived in fear for too long, and that's why he made his way to St. Louis Cemetery tonight. He would not be intimidated. He would redouble his efforts and find who was behind it all before they found him, or he would die trying. Marion's thoughts were interrupted when he heard someone whistling in the distance, and he ducked behind the nearest mausoleum. The large structure and the darkness would keep him hidden. Before long, a man wearing a gravedigger's uniform came into view, whistling and moving as if he didn't have a care in the world. Marion watched as he approached another mausoleum, pulled out a key, and unlocked the door. This was it, Marion was sure of it. This man, whoever he was, worked for them, and Marion was about to at least get a hint of what they were up to. He watched as the man entered the mausoleum and returned moments later, dragging a corpse from inside. 
The man then got down on his knees, held his lantern close to the corpse, and inspected it. As Marion debated moving closer, he heard a voice from behind him say, Looking for something? And then everything went black. When Marion awoke, two men were standing above him. Past their heads, he could see the stars shining in the dark night sky. Marion felt immense pain, but he was so disoriented that he struggled to locate the source. As he tried to figure out where he was, what had happened, and why he hurt so damn much, one of the men spoke in the same voice he remembered from behind him, just before things went dark. Marion Allen, occultist extraordinaire, and a private investigator to boot. Isn't that right, Mr. Allen? You've been doing some investigating, haven't you? Well, well, tell us what you've seen, what you've learned. Go on, tell us. Marion tried to speak, but he found that he couldn't. And suddenly, he had a sinking suspicion that he knew where the pain was located. As he opened his mouth and reached inside, the two men standing above him laughed. Tears began to rush from Marion's eyes as he reached his hand past his teeth and felt around for his tongue, but it had been removed. I can't. <laughs> I, I so when I when I start these episodes, I generally do a countdown from five to let people know that we're going. And this is the first time that I've ever heard anyone try to pump themselves up during the <laughs> countdown. Uh, Adam was just going, "Come on, let's go." <laughs> what are you? What are you? Where, what are you hoping to get yourself to? Like, what? What is the? What is the state of mind that you feel like you want to be in, Adam? Constant intense euphoria okay <laughs> i just want to make sure that i'm giving my 100 percent at all times like every other moment in your life you want to make sure that you're 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 oh you're giving more effort than is necessary absolutely <laughs> if i've learned anything in life it's if you always try your hardest and always get really really pumped up for everything you're never disappointed wow. yep <laughs> definitely yeah. no notes <laughs> Great. <laughs> Pr- print the t-shirts. We've become a motivational podcast now. We're switching away from actual play. <laughs> I didn't really know that this was being uh, recorded until halfway through what I was talking. I was like, I think this is an actual question. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is this is real. This is the this is the beginning of the episode. Great. Um, so what I what I was actually going to ask the group though is um, part of me wants to just have all of these conversations be us telling uh, random college stories, but I think that we would alienate every listener that we have. Um, and so I'll, I'll intersperse the random college stories with some actual questions. And so for this first one, I think we started to learn a little bit about these characters. But what, what, where did the idea for your characters come from? Like, what was the initial spark? And like, kind of how did you come to the place that you landed on with your characters? So my character was based, started out as based on a real person, Eben Byers, who is most famous for he, he drank a, um, a quack medicine that had radium that he drank enough of it, it was, a bunch went into his jaw and it fell off. 
Um, <laughs> they had to bury him in a lead-lined coffin. They, it, a sad story, but he was, yeah, a very rich man and just kind of a, a socialite of the day. So that's where he started. Uh, then I got thinking about other fictional characters. The the clothing choice people may recognize from Mr. Fish Odor from Bob's Burgers, uh, down to the eye patch. And uh, and then, but finally, as I as I made and wrote up the character, he turned into just much more of an everyman who just happened to be born rich and as a ghost hunter. So he really lost all the weirdness, which is probably good because man, Constantine really, <laughs> really, that really up. picking up the slack yeah, on the weirdness. Yeah, we we need we definitely need the two straight characters to uh, to balance out Constantine's just amazingness. Yes, though, I mean, tale as old as time, uh, an everyman, a rich everyman ghost hunter. Yeah. It's, it's cliche at this point, really, but yeah, really. I understand. Joe. Um, Eric said we were playing in the 20s, and I was like, sweet, I will have a Tommy gun. That is the only thing that I thought of initially. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, I like to think I've fleshed Margaret out a little bit more. But no, the primary motivation behind my character was I just wanted to have a gangster machine gun in a 1920s speakeasy. So that's what I did. Yeah, I mean, I think we got to I think we got to a good place with Margaret too, where it's like 19 year old probably doesn't doesn't fit super well with like mob having a Tommy gun. And I think we found a good way for her to actually like for that to actually make sense. So I think I think Margaret's a, a well fleshed out character. Yes, she has become much more than what she started as. <laughs> but mostly she has a Tommy gun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Constantine, so I originally I can't got wait the idea. For this. So yeah, I originally got, I, I am right excited. After, right after you contacted, <laughs> or like right before you contacted us about doing all of this, um, I, my, my wife and I watched uh, The Big Year, which is a fantastic comedy about a birding year. It has um, Jack Black, Owen Wilson. Highly recommend it. Anyway, so I was like, I want to do something with uh, ornithology. And then that kind of transformed a little bit into being a photographer. And then I kind of had a plan. And again, we're rolling up. Um, and I rolled a 1-1-2 for willpower, um, which is, again, the, the lowest you could get would be 1-1-1. I think would be like a 15 but instead I have a 20 and so then you know that I then ran with that of like okay well he's obviously got some things going on so the big year good movie bird watching um, the, the other movie character he reminds me of Adam is Gollum <laughs> there's that he's the good good Gollum that's I know your character's like physically large but just his his mannerisms and his, his he's hunched over and he's kind of scuttling along that's how I'm seeing him He's but it's, it's, he's it's, emotionally it's, it's, small. I feel like it's even Smeagol, right? Like it's it's not even quite Gollum. Yeah, it's sorry, Smeagol sorry, that's what I should have said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, there is there are the aspects of like how I've chosen to play. Like the weak willed power is like kind of constantly seeking approval, especially from two um, you know pretty pretty strong characters. I would say in Evan, Evan and Margaret. So I, I can definitely see I can definitely see that aspect. I'll try to throw a little more of that into uh, my character now too <laughs> especially as he loses a few more points of sanity as i'm sure will happen i do feel like constantine i mean i'm not saying that adam plays a a uh, a near lunatic every time he role plays but like i do feel like constantine <laughs> like fits into your style nick i have to say that i i am pleased that evan is not 
uh, too much like your normal character, which is about as contrarian as possible, and like <laughs> it usually makes my job as hard as it as, as you possibly can. So I, I, in prep for this, I was thinking about my play style a lot. And uh, so some of our other friends in our group have gotten really into the rules and knowing how it works. And so Eric obviously has as <laughs> someone who runs the game. And so instead of really doing that, uh, it required a lot less reading for me to just try to break it. <laughs> or just to like, just my character just leaves the scenario to see how Eric like forces him back in. I figured that might not be the most fun to listen to. <laughs> I have read, like, I've read some GMing books. I've, like, listened to a number of podcasts that are on, like, GMing theory and things like that. And if you look at any list that has ever been created about, like, here's a list of players that you really should think about kicking out of your group. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that, thing, that is often one of the things that comes up. <laughs> The advice that anybody gives is like, yeah, you just you have to sit down and have a conversation with that character, and like, just you, you just have to ask yourself, like, is this somebody that I want to keep playing with? <laughs> <laughs> uh, somehow I've kept bringing Nick back. He he always has great characters. Like, I'm sure they're annoying for you, but they're great <laughs> for the rest of us. <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right. So uh, where we left our investigators, they are um, trying to fulfill the dying wish of an older relative, a great grandfather in two of their cases and a great uncle um, for the third to rid an old farmhouse of an entity that the, the older man had summoned with some of his fellow students many years ago that he believes is evil and will be set free upon his death. Um, he has now died, and the group is trying to figure out and prepare as much as they can for whatever it's going to take to get rid of this entity. And Constantine spent some time this evening reading through uh, Jack O'Malley, the, the his great-grandfather's journal, and learned quite a bit about uh, the events surrounding their calling of this creature. So shocked was Constantine by what he read, um, that he immediately went to Jitterbugs, uh, the place where Margaret O'Malley works and where Evan Byers is a frequent customer, and was babbling about all of the things that he read in the journal. But we're going to fast forward through the night to the next morning, where I believe the group is planning to travel back from Boston up to Arkham and meet at Miskatonic University, where they have hired a professor to translate a set of hieroglyphs on a gold sarcophagus-shaped box that their great-grandfather slash great-uncle had given them. And so, Evan, are you re you're really not driving uh, Constantine and Margaret up to, up to Arkham? You're just going to leave without them? I mean, Margaret seemed in control of her own uh, situation. Yes. Evan is concerned about Constantine. So okay. he'll, you know, he'll get home, he'll get some rest... Uh, in the morning, he'll load up his car. He, it's already got his hunting shotgun in it. He grabs another gun for Constantine, as discussed, and also uh, keeps the Ouija board he had uh, he had taken from Jax. What gun are you bringing for Constantine? The smallest handgun I can find. He needs okay. a gun. He doesn't need a big gun. <laughs> All right. Got it. Got it. Okay. And then, yeah, he'll, he'll return to Constantine. He was in no state to make plans for the uh, for the morning the night before, so... He knows that he's probably still there, and he'll try to pick him up. 
Gotcha. And what do you think? Like, what do you think Evan's state of mind is this morning? You know, he it was a it was a weird day. You know, I think he you had mentioned that he was kind of shaken by the seriousness of this evil. What is he expecting? Like, what's what's he feeling? So it's he, he's calmer this morning. He's he's kind of digested it a little bit, or just digested it into denial. Probably not the appropriate amount of of fear and trepidation, but it, he knows it's it's just kind of no other choice. They they gotta do it for their family and everything. So he is uh he's ready to to see where everyone else is at. Okay. And how's Constantine doing this morning? Last night was tough for uh, for old Constantine. Yeah, how's he feeling uh, he, this morning? He he wakes up. Um, actually, I, he slept fitfully all night. Um, and so whereas yesterday he was up like early six a.m. ready to go. I'm thinking that Evan wakes him up. Um, so whatever you know, whatever time we're saying that is, he he is not up. He is not ready to go. Um, this is not one of his good starts to one of his you know what would be a good day. Um, for him, so he's he's frazzled, as I guess he usually is, but he's even more frazzled than yesterday, and he just hasn't slept well. So um, you know, he gets a, he doesn't have a lot to do. I, I I imagine he slept in his clothes last night, so I'm imagining that's kind of kind of where he's at. Um, yeah, maybe he throws on a, a new shirt or something, but then he's he's ready to go. Obviously, remembering to grab the the uh, journal and his camera i assume anything else that that constantine's making sure to bring no them? no those are the only two th- well um he does have a knife uh that he that he carries with him during particularly um spooky trips <laughs> okay okay sounds good um margaret uh, are you taking the train up is that the plan yeah um she's taking the train she's pretty much running on fumes at this point because you know up all day yesterday then had to work all night at jitterbugs um so she goes home to change into regular clothes grab her violin case with her tommy gun <laughs> um, and hops on the train and just passes out immediately upon getting in the train she's worried about constantine she's worried about the whole situation but realizes that she can't do anything if she's exhausted, so. All right, so the three of you make your way back to Arkham and to Miskatonic University, and I think you all probably meet up at the office of Professor Warren Rice, who is happy to see you all. Seems like he has accomplished his task. He's excited about the $200 donation that's coming his way, or to, coming the way of the department, and um, is happy to have accomplished his task to uh, to earn that money. Um, and he tells you that it was a bit of a tricky translation because there are words that don't make sense to him in the translation. He can translate them phonetically, but there are some words that he doesn't recognize. But he passes over uh, kind of a, a sheaf of paper that he has written out this translation on. Um, and you read it and it says... Seeker of wisdom, servant, and then he's kind of scribbled, or son, of Yugur or Yoag Setheth. So that's one of the things that he doesn't recognize. Yugur or Yoag Setheth. Then the next line is deliverer of the people, or slaves, of the water, bearer of the spirits of Nar Loth Hotep, child of Thoth, seeker of wisdom. He tells you that none of that makes any sense to him. Um, and I don't really think it probably makes much sense to any of you either. I can't do an occult roll. That's not occulty enough. You can do a Cthulhu Mythos roll for me since you now have Ooh, one point on. in Cthulhu Mythos. Ooh. Ah, 
No. Hard fail. <laughs> What'd you get? 48. All right. Just tell me if, if any of you ever get a 96 to 100 on a roll. Okay. Seeker of wisdom, servant son, deliverer of the people of water. Bearer of the spirits of Nar-Loth-Hotep, child of Thoth, seeker of wisdom. I mean, Thoth is an Egyptian god. I got that. I don't know if Margaret's got that, but I got that. And it seems like it's saying that Nar-Loth-Hotep is the child of Thoth. I mean, Hotep is kind of an Egyptian-sounding suffix. So then would... uh... So we say thank you. Yeah. To Professor Rice. (laughs) (laughs) He he looks at Evan and says, so the donation... Oh, uh, you want to give that uh, yeah, to me now? Yeah, of or? course. And so I pull out my wallet and just throw some cash. It's probably roughly right. Okay. <laughs> just on the desk and be like, I'll mail my receipt. <laughs> he agrees. Uh, and they and the three of you leave. Wait, wait, I had a question for you. Oh, him. yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I, um, sorry. I don't mean to I want, brush I want to, no, I Professor want, I want Rice to out. Ask, yeah, right. I want to ask him, um, there were those carvings inside that were not in hieroglyphs, was that anything he recognized or understood? Uh, he says, well, I, I can tell you for sure that those are not Egyptian hieroglyphs. Uh, I I didn't recognize the language. I, I, I took a few down. I kind of tried to draw some out. I may ask around the university to see if anyone else recognizes them, but I, I certainly didn't. It's because they're Movian. Okay, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so, son. I do. So I, I imagine we're all just standing outside of his office, kind of like... Well, what a waste of time. <laughs> it mentioned wisdom twice. Yeah, are we thinking that the djinn was also referred to by all of these titles? That's a good point. Could be. No- nothing in the journal, right, Constantine? Not that had to do with that. I, I, don't, I don't remember them talking about any specific Egyptian gods or names like that. I remember the djinn, um, but did djinn? Djinn? Is it just djinn? Djinn. 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 But I don't remember anything specific. It didn't say anything about the dust of Ibn Ghazi or anything, so. I mean, maybe this is like some sort of like a, we have to get the the spirit back in the case, like it's a containment thing, possibly. That sounds reasonable. I mean, and the three of you also, like you, you you can talk this out a little bit as players too, if you want. Like, what do you three think you should do? You, Adam, Brandy, and Nick. Are there, is there any other leads that we haven't? I mean, so the, the day book, um, we kind of got stopped there, but we think that there's a copy in the house. So I guess we could look at, and we could also go to the house and then leave the house. It's not like we have to Mm -hmm. like stay there the whole time. That's, that's a big assumption. That's true. They could lock all the doors. (laughs) Well, everyone else who was there is obviously dead. So unless we were going to go, you know, search families or Mm -hmm. old houses or anything, I think we'd head to the house. I mean, do based on my like, so, you know, played up that I knew of Movian because of the my occult clubs experience. Like, do I actually think that the individual who may have talked about that would know anything more about the writing or would that just be? How serious do you feel like the the what were you calling it? The the L.O.S. The the local L.O.S. I don't I don't feel like it's like they're not doing things like uh, my grandpa Jack was. Um, they're not they're not summoning different things. I don't feel like it's as serious. I mean, they're, I'm they're taking hobbyists. it seriously. Yeah, they're they're more hobbyists. It's more of like a educational thing. Like, I don't picture them actually like doing rights and trying to summon demons 
and such things. It's more like, oh, here's some information and oh yeah, look, we're we're occultists now and yeah. 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 You know, you so know I think, you know the people. You know the you know the types, yes. So <laughs> yeah. I, I would I think that you think it would be very unlikely, given okay. what you read in the book about the movie and civilization and, and how, you know, there's no you know, at least according to that book, like no one has ever been able to translate this language. Yeah. And it's so. not like Moo isn't necessarily like the most occult thing in the world, right? Like if 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 someone had figured out how to translate it, like they would have published it because yeah. you know what I mean? So you that think it's sense. unlikely that anyone would know how to how to read it. I do think that like it's it's something um, because when Marion Allen was killed, like he had marks carved into his forehead. And I feel like if they had been hieroglyphics, the article would have said they were hieroglyphics. Um, so I feel like it's not nothing, but I don't know if we have anything we can actually do to address it. That's fair. Did did the article show a picture maybe of the mark that was carved into his head? No. Is that not something they put in the newspaper? Weirdly not. No. <laughs> um, okay. That, that I mean that's a that's a very good point, Brandy. I also do think we should try to find the the transcriptions of the book or the translations or whatever were in Jack's house. But I know Nick slash Evan really wants to go on over to the farmhouse, and I don't think we're. I don't know. The translations are in the farmhouse, right? Correct. Yes. Not not Jack's oh, house. They're in okay. the farmhouse. Okay. I misunderstood. My bad. Yep. My bad. Or at least he said they're in the, the, the they're in the farmhouse. Yeah. Then let's go. All right. Let's so go. to get to Ross's corner, you can either drive if Evan's willing to continue to drive, or there's a bus that goes every day from Arkham to Worcester, Arkham to Worcester, and it stops at Ross's corner. But I assume that Evan wants to drive. Of course. Okay. Are we invited? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, you have to take the bus. <laughs> All right, so the three of you drive out to Ross's Corner. It's only a few miles west of Arkham, so it doesn't take you very long. And when you get there, you drive past a sign that, that it's it's like a hand-painted wooden sign that says Ross's Corner, population 39. So it's very small. And as you drive into the kind of main part of town, there are just a few tired buildings and homes Obviously seems very sparsely populated. From the center of town, you can see a church and a a combination general store, post office, gas station, and a milk depot, and that's about it. Hopping. Yeah, let's uh, let's top off on some gas and uh, see what anyone has to say. I like it. All right, so you head over to the the combination general store, post office, gas station, and there's a uh, kind of larger man maybe early to mid 40s wearing kind of like a, a mechanics jumpsuit who when you pull in kind of moves over to you and just says uh you need gas yeah uh we we just like to top her up make sure we're not uh we won't run dry you got it and he uh he starts going about his business are, are the three of you just going to kind of stand there as he does that do you want to go talk to him or to anybody else uh I, i'd like to ask for directions to the address we're headed to uh sure Anybody else doing anything different than that? I mean, I would carry on just like a casual conversation with him, like just to be polite, but Evan actually has a real thing, so. Well, I'm mostly just looking for his reaction to that address, see if it's, you know, sparks anything in him. Constantine, anything you're doing? Constantine's kind of just, um, has gotten out of the car, wandering around, looking to see if he can get any good nature shots with his camera. Of course. Not focused on the goal at hand right now. (laughs) How do you how do you want to approach him? Just kind of casually chatting with him? 
Yeah, l- like it's a genuine uh, question. Sure. Uh, give me a give me a charm check, even if it's not very good. It is not very good. Uh, yeah. So that that's a failure. Okay. He uh, he says, "What do you want to go up there for?" Uh, our my great uncle actually owns the place. Um, we just wanted to go inspect it. He hasn't been there in years. You know, it's haunted, right? That's that's an old family story we've heard. Yep. He doesn't seem particularly chatty. <laughs> Is there any way, sir, that you could please give us the directions? <laughs> Why don't you roll me a charm check? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Is that another fail? No, sorry, I was just saying no to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 19, which is a hard success. Uh, he, it's, it's, it's almost as if he didn't notice you until you asked him the question, and then he looks over and he says, well, you've got to take the Boone Road. It, it, it's the one that runs up that way, and he points kind of out north of town. And uh, when you get up there, about two miles there's an old, uh, there's an old tree that got some, got some lightning damage, got got all burned up. If you see that, you take a take a left down the path, and you'll find it up there. But I, I don't know if you wanna, I don't know if you wanna go up to that old, old place. It's, it's pretty scary. Is there anything else you can tell us about it? Why, why is it so scary? I don't know. It just, it just gives me the creeps. Uh, I think, uh, I think Ma Peters knows a little bit more about it. If you wanna talk to her, she's uh, over there in the general store. Perfect. Thank you. I will go ask her. So I go do that. As we're walking past, I'm going to stop the guy and be like, excuse me, have you seen any red-breasted sapsuckers uh, flying around recently, maybe in the area? He just like stares you in the eye and like pauses for too long and then just says, what? <laughs> they're, they're, they're birds. They're birds. They're birds. I, I just, I like to take pictures of birds. I, I was just wondering, I, and I wanted to add this one to my collection. I just was wondering if you'd seen one around. He points toward a tree nearby, and he he says, "There's a bird." <laughs> so, so that's a blue jay. You know, okay. I, I thank you for your time. And like he's like not making eye contact, keeping his eyes down, and like just to kind of shuffles off. Um, Evan, are you going inside with um, with Margaret? Uh, yeah. No, I don't want to be uh, hanging out with this guy. Okay. So, um, the 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 gas pump operator finishes up filling the gas of the car and puts the pump back on the or puts the the kind of handle back on the pump and he just like moves back toward the door and just stares at Constantine. <laughs> hey Constantine, we're we're going to go inside real quick. Uh you can come with us or you can just stay out here and keep taking pictures. Up to you. I'll be out here. Sounds great. Taking pictures of, you know, I don't know. He'll t- he takes a picture of the 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 bird in the tree. <laughs> also. <laughs> But he's just, you know, enjoying the nature. So, um, so Margaret and Evan go inside, and there's a, an older woman. Uh, she looks quite hearty, um, like she she could hold her own uh, in a in a fight. Who's standing behind the the desk in the or like the counter in the general store? And you come in, and she says, "Yeah, what can I do for the two of you?" Uh, we need to purchase something, and I'm just looking around. Trying to like that's my icebreaker is just to spend money, and so I just grab something of, of like that seems of moderate expense for that store. It's like I don't know a sack of flour or something. Are you uh, you a baker? Uh, as as a hobby, yes. And I'm just waiting for Maggie to 
take over. I'm, and I'm just like, I'm watching this interaction go down with mild amusement. Um, but then I then I say, we were speaking to that lovely gentleman outside um, who was telling us that there is a haunted house nearby. And he said you might have a bit more information on it. So we were just super curious about that and wondered if there was anything you could tell us. Uh, roll me a charm, please. I, like, don't want to use another tab on my computer. I'm afraid of what will happen. <laughs> Ten, which is uh, critical success. Extreme success. Extreme success. Uh, she, when you say that, she kind of, like, sniffs and laughs and is like, <laughs> you've been listening, to, uh, been listening to Bruce out there? He likes to tell the tall tales. Must be talking about the old farmhouse up on Boone Road. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. What uh, what interest do you have in uh, in that place? My great grandfather actually uh, owns it, so we're there to clean it out before before he puts it up for auction. You uh, you talking about Jack O'Malley? Yeah. How do you know him? Oh, uh, you know, we country folk out here like to keep tabs on who owns what. So uh, I've never met him. I just uh, I know he know I know he owns that place. Has for a long time. I don't think it's actually haunted though. You know. Uh, I just think those are a bunch of old, old wives' tales. The taxes are already, are always paid on time. That's what really what matters the most to me. Well, thank you. That was informative. <laughs> Do you know has uh, has anyone been up there recently? I don't know. I I don't think so. Uh, you know, people are pe- people stay a little a uh, little far away from that place, and I gotta tell you, people right now around here are a little uh, a little suspicious. I'll and she kind of lowers her voice. She says, "I'll be honest with you. Uh, you know, l- last night." Uh, a local woman, middle-aged farmer's wife named Maggie McFurder. She disappeared last night, and people are uh, people are a little stressed. So I don't I don't expect anybody's been up there in any time anytime anytime recently, and probably doesn't want to go up there now. I don't know. It's uh, things things have been strange around here. Can 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 you tell us anything more about that woman? Maybe uh, you know you know where her farm was. Yeah, now that you mention it, her farm was uh, her farm's up up north. As well, uh, people are saying that she went out after dark to check on the horses, and she hasn't been seen since then. We don't get a lot of activity around here, so, you know, it's it's the, it's the only thing anybody's been talking about this morning, and people are right on edge, for sure. Uh, uh, one one last thing before I go. Uh, uh, do, do you have any calendars for sale? Uh, calendars? What, what kind yeah. of calendar are you looking for? You know, you know like a month-by-month month calendar. I, uh, I, haven't bought, I know it's April. I haven't bought one yet. Yeah, we, uh, we got one right here. And it's like a, it's it's like a beautiful scenes of Ross's corner calendar, and it's like Perfect. just all like dilapidated buildings. <laughs> Great, uh, yeah, I'll take my bag of flour in my calendar. Okay. <laughs> Maggie, was there any, or uh, Margaret, was there anything else you wanted to? I was just going to confirm because I was writing down um, the 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 farm that this woman disappeared from is close to the other farm. Our farm. It's north, also like the one that you're going to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do we have reason to believe that the like that the spirit is like the spirit could have technically escaped the house if what was like happening if if Jack's death released it it could have escaped the house so it might not even be there technically it could be in the area but I don't know that just occurred kind of just thinking about that. Yes, it's yeah, that that would be possible. Yes. But that that doesn't necessarily mean that trying to banish it would or wouldn't work necessarily mm-hmm. either. 
That makes yeah. sense. So, so I am uh, Evan's done with Mom Peters, so he'll he'll turn to leave <laughs> and go go check out, make sure Constantine hasn't uh, further upset our large friend. Constantine's over there trying to explain the di- like different types of birds to him. <laughs> like, see that that black one is a crow, and you know it's a crow because it's black. <laughs> I picture Constantine's doing this from a distance and, and, and Bruce is just, just he just continues to stare like he has not moved from when he went inside and, I, I don't, and, and, and seriously like I don't think Constantine's not paying attention to Bruce he's kind of just he's looking around he's being in the nature I think calms him more maybe gets him a little back a little bit back to where he you know kind of was before everything happened so he's you know maybe a little more normal than he usually is not much though Margaret would like to ask Ma Peters if um, there's if, if there's someone else that they could talk to who would have a little bit more information about the the missing farmer's wife or the Boone's farm. I'm sorry, I can't remember what it's really called. I think it's just the old farmhouse on Boone Road. Yeah. So if there's if there's anyone who would know more about the farmhouse or the missing woman, he says, "Well, uh, well, honey, I, I I have to tell you, I I'm about as good of a." information sources you'll get in Ross's corner. I I know all the rumors, I know all the information. Uh that's all we know about the the missing woman is is what I told you other than her husband, but I don't I don't even think he knows much and well, the old farmhouse, nobody really goes there. Well, thank you very much, and I hope that you have a lovely day. And I go outside <laughs> with Evan and Constantine. So, um Evan is going to check the calendar if it has the uh the phases of the moon. Let's say yes, it does. Okay. Is tonight notable? Great question. So April 27th is a waxing gibbous moon. Ooh. Which I think is nearly full. Is that right? Yes. That freshman year astronomy class that, came that in That was handy. a confident answer. That was a really confident answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I, I, I got the moon phases down. Oh, actually, it is. Uh, so it is interesting. If, if, t- if today is the 27th, the full moon is April 28th. So it's the night before the full moon. Okay. Oh, interesting. So I, I point that out to uh to Margaret. I assume Constantine's in his own little world. He's coming back. You're, we're getting back to the car, so he's you know he's coming I back. Just, I kind of just nod my head and go werewolves. One more thing. <laughs> I've dro- I've dropped no foreshadowing of werewolves, and of course this is definitely a werewolf uh, werewolf scenario. You're just gonna get swarmed by werewolves. The whole the whole thing was a setup by Jack O'Malley to get you attacked by his clan of werewolves. It would be such an awesome plot twist <laughs> that you figured out because because Evan bought a, a calendar in the store and asked about the moon faces. <sighs> All right, so are you loading up into the car and, and driving north on the old Boone Road? I think that's uh, that's Evan's plan. Okay. I was just gonna, is there talk of stopping and investigating the missing woman or going straight to the going straight to the house? I, I think it'd be worth asking questions. Are you gonna go try to talk to the 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 missing woman's husband? Yeah, because it it was the same direction, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's on the way. All right, so you you drive to you you see you see a farm, um, and there's a wooden sign hammered to a tree, and it says McFurter Farm. Uh, so you think that probably is the the place to go. Um, and you pull up, and you see that there are like three or four people just kind of standing around the front yard. They're talking. They look you know kind of on edge. 
but they don't actually look like they're doing anything. They're just kind of standing there and talking. What's our play here? Because <laughs> we're just a bunch of randos. Like, we can't just really stroll up and be like, hey, we heard your wife went missing. What's up? Like, <laughs> that, you're saying that won't work. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it might. It might. You could just wave some money around. <laughs> and that is, that is Evan's normal solution, but he's feeling pretty out of place here. I mean, this is out of Constantine's depth, so. Not sure it's in my depth. <laughs> Mar- Margaret's good at, you know, um, flattering, getting information out of people. True, but but I feel like we should have, you know, at least a fake backstory. I mean, or even a more fleshed out backstory than, hey, we're going to go check out our uncle's haunted with a gin home. <laughs> we could just tell them we're investigating and not necessarily get into for who or what. Yeah, I mean, you could you could all like you could you could use the O'Malley investigations as your cover. Oh, that's a good point. I'm like forgetting that this is the 20s, so things don't you know necessarily. <laughs> Can't Google it. Have to be by the book. So yeah, I, I think we should uh, we should just do that. Just introduce ourselves as you know, as part of the O'Malley investigations, and see if they have any further information or if we can assist in any way. Who's Sounds taking good. the lead? Uh, Evan will take the lead. He he seems pretty confident in this plan. All right, so you open up the car door, you get out. Uh, the people all turn to look at you. There's an older man and then two younger men and a younger woman, you would guess. Uh, the husband and maybe some children, though the children look like they're in their you know 20s, 30s. So around around your around your age. Um, and they just kind of stare at you as you as you get out of the car and walk up toward them. So I'll, uh, yeah, Evan will start. Uh, Mr. McFurter. Yeah. I, I'm Evan Byers. I'm I'm with O'Malley Investigations. We we've heard about the unfortunate incident uh, with your wife. We we'd like to assist, if at all possible, in uh, in finding her. Uh, give me what kind of interpersonal skill do you want to use here? Uh, I mean that is the truth. So I, I'd say persuade. Okay, sure, go for it. Uh, I I did fail though. That was a ninety-five. Okay. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. You said uh. O'Malley Investigations? What's that? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're out of Boston. You know, we've, we've assisted in various police matters before. We are a private company, but uh, but, but we're relatively well-known well and uh, and known to the authorities. Oh, so you're, uh, you're city folk, huh? <laughs> Unfortunately, we are. What interest do you have uh, helping us up here? Well, we just feel uh, the, the role of our agency, we can, uh, we can help where needed, and, and this seems to be where it needs help right now. If you would like to push your persuade roll, you yeah. can do so. So I, I roll that again, correct? Yeah, you roll again. Oh, jeez. Uh, 87, so another fail. All right, so he uh, he says, well, we don't need your help. And he reaches behind uh, in his pants and pulls out uh, a pistol. And he points <laughs> it at you. Uh, I, I see you have all the help you need. Um, if you think of anything, go ahead and uh, send us a telegram as Evan's backing away towards the car. He, uh, yeah, he, he continues to point the gun at you and says, you better get off my property or uh, I'll be calling for the police. Yep, 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 absolutely. And I am getting in the car and going. I assume either Margaret and Constantine are getting back in or never got out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure they ever got out. Yeah, I mean, I, at one point I was like, oh, maybe I can help. But then the gun was drawn and I am not inserting myself into that situation. Mar- Margaret pulls out her Tommy gun and just opens fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> this has turned into a different type of adventure now. <laughs> yeah. You've got four dead bodies that you have to cover up. So Evan, uh, Evan pulls out of the driveway and you continue along the Boone Road. And after just a couple of minutes, you see an old dead tree blackened by a lightning strike in years past next to an overgrown path that leads back into the forest. Uh, the path does not look large enough for your car. But this is the path Bruce said we had to take, yes? Yes. I hop out of the car. Yep. Yep. Should, uh, should grab our stuff. Are you just, like, gonna leave the car in the... Yeah, it's got keys. No one here probably knows how to drive it. <laughs> <laughs> Evan's opinion of these uh, these town folk has changed drastically since we got here. So you uh, you all walk down the path. It's reasonably wide for a walking path, but not wide enough for the car. And it's weed grown, made of gravel, and it leads through the trees. And after a few minutes of walking, you come upon an ancient-looking farmhouse and the remains of a large barn. The house is saltbox style with a high-peaked roof and windows flanked by sagging shutters. While most of the windows are broken, the ones still intact are filthy and resemble frosted glass due to the years of dirt and dust. The roof itself is a little bowed, but the shingles all remain intact. The whole place, I think you all get the feeling, it just exudes a strange and unsettling atmosphere. You listen and you don't, I think uh, Constantine probably notices this first, but there are no birds singing in the trees. You just hear the sound of the many branches swaying in the breeze. It's as if the house has been waiting for someone, perhaps for you, for many years. And that is where we're going to end our story for now. Dun, dun, dun. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Chaosium Inc., slash Moon Design Publications, LLC, which are used under Chaosium Inc.'s fan material policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Chaosium Inc. For more information about Chaosium Inc.'s products, please visit chaosium.com. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. <laughs>